Will you guys turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5? We are in Deuteronomy. Cool, let's pray before we get started. Thank you, God, for all the praises. Thank you for this night. Thank you for the food and this home, Lord. Um, We just pray that you would speak to us and that you'd be so real to us tonight, Lord, and that whatever we learn, we may apply it and live it out, Lord. And all glory and praise goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool. So we're going over the Ten Commandments today, and it's important to understand context because um, the Ten Commandments were already reviewed um, earlier in the Old Testament, but in Deuteronomy, um, it is now presented to a new generation, to the children of Israel. And this generation has different factors that the old one didn't. Um, we're going to start, let's start reading by reading verses 1 through 5. Um, and the Bible says, And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain, he said. Um, Starting at verse 1, it says, Hear, O Israel. And so Moses is starting to reiterate this new law, which is the Ten Commandments. And again, Deuteronomy means second law, but we have to remember it's not really a second law. It's not a new thing. It's an old thing, but it's just reiterated into a new generation. And if you look, it says that he's brought them out of Egypt and the new generation didn't experience that. So the new generation didn't experience a lot of things. And so Moses has to explain a lot of these things to them. And it's important because he's ultimately explaining the bigger picture, which is the covenant, which is a promise, a promise that God has given the children of Israel, and now it still stands. And what's important is that when we get promises, when we get covenants from God, like um, the ultimate covenant, which is Jesus, Jesus paid all of our sins, we have to believe it, we have to understand it. And so he's trying to explain to them what everything is like, what this means. And so we can't possess, you know, a promise. We can't believe something if we've never heard it, or, or better yet, if we don't understand it. And so Moses is explaining this to them. Um, if you look in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, it says, Israel was bound to the covenant they agreed. To, they agreed um, yet the covenant was made with the previous generation, which perished in the wilderness. The present generation still has to understand this covenant. And so that was the old generation. If you look at verse 3 in this chapter, It says, The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. And so he's making a covenant, and he's trying to explain to them, because I'm sure there are people, you know, in this nation, they're going, well, that promise was with our dads and our grandparents. That's not for us. We don't want to possess this. I'm sure, you know, not everyone listened to it straightforward. But here it says, this is for you, because it's saying it's for the ones that are alive, because God is faithful. And even though one whole generation perished because of their unbelief, because of their wandering, he's still going to continue to be faithful, um, continue to put forth this promise. And I gave some examples. I'm going to start with a personal example, which is a promise for us, which is uh, we're the church of Calvary Chapel Living Water. And so many years ago, uh, God gave Johnny, you know, 
And I wouldn't say a vision. I would say the vision because I don't think God gave Johnny one specific vision. He's given Johnny over time the vision that um, leaders would be raised up in the church, that this church would prosper by people stepping up to the plate and taking over certain ministries, um, overseeing certain things, and just leaders being raised up. And so that's our covenant, and we have the option. We, have, we know that. And if you look back at the tapes, it's pretty cool. I've done it a couple times in the past. You know, it's very, like, very, it increases your faith so much just by watching it, just by listening to it. You're seeing just like, wow, God spoke this to a man through a congregation, and you just see it over time, over time, over time. And, like, it's something that you, you just can't deny. You see it before your eyes, and it's cool because I've been going to this church for about probably a little bit over two years two years? I don't know. Around there. I, I lose count. But it's around, you know, the same time frame. And I've seen it all from people raised up, from people having opportunities to step up to the plate, but they didn't. And then other opportunities where people were skeptical and they stepped up and it goes, it goes forth. It goes great because God already said it. God already called it. He called it before, you know, any of us would decide to step up to the plate. So that's our personal example as a church, as living water. We have that opportunity. Just keep that in mind. We always have that opportunity. God already called it. It's already happening. People can testify within this congregation. And so if you don't believe it, you're calling many of us liars. And yeah, I know it's kind of funny, but it's a really cool thing to keep in mind because there are opportunities that are going to come, that are going to come, that are going to come because God called it. And that's for us. Um, another one is because not everyone goes to Calvary Chapel Living Water. There is a covenant for everybody, for a covenant for everyone in Christ, which is Jesus dying for your sin. That's something we need to own. We need to own that promise that Jesus says it is finished. You know, a lot of teachers, a lot of religion will tell you to do certain things, but Jesus tells you that he's already done it. It's already finished. He says to telestai, which is, I think, Greek for um, it is finished. It is done. He's completed everything for us, and now we just live in it. We got to receive it. We got to cling to it. Um, I have a verse also in Deuteronomy, which is in chapter 10, verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. And so we cling to this promise. Okay, we're going to go to verse 4 now. It says, The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the mist of the fire. And I kind of want to explain this because what Moses is doing is he's explaining the covenant. And so I kind of want to explain this part, the face to face. Um, it does not mean literal face-to-face because you can't speak with the Father face to, literally face-to-face in our um, finite form. He is infinite. We are finite. Um, but it is, in the Hebrew, it's a figure of speech and it means intimate, free communication with no hindrance. And so this is something that God put, if people see as a contradiction because they say, oh, well, Moses talked with God face-to-face, but Scripture says, You can't talk with God face to face. No man can do that. But what it means here is God is talking about something much deeper than just the physical seeing his face. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 12, it says, And the Lord spoke to you out of the mist of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. And what he's saying when he's saying face to face, um, if you look at Exodus uh, I believe it's in Exodus thirty-three eleven. It says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And what Moses is saying is, um, it's not, you know, the physical seeing. It's about when you speak with a friend, 
you speak intimately, you speak without hindrance, you know, you speak freely, you can just say whatever is on your mind and it's okay. You don't have to, you know, filter anything, you don't have to worry about anything. It's completely free communication and it's also talking about the intimacy. Like if we really think about it, some of our most intimate conversations aren't face to face. I know I've had some intimate conversation over FaceTime if you have an Apple iPhone or even just over the phone. But something with God and Moses, he's saying this is something that's so intimate that one day I will see God face to face in my perfect um, body. But for now, I'm, I can't do that. But for now, I, got, I still got the best thing. You know why? Because I got something better than just the physical. He's showing that to the children of Israel. You have access to the Father and you have access that's unhindered. Especially now with us, we have access through Jesus. It's completely unhindered. And it's free communication. And it is, we have to remember, it's intimate. So it's not, we're not just calling God when we need him. We're calling God because we want to talk to him. We want to tell God about everything. Um, if you look at verse 5, it says, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain. So he's declaring the word of the Lord, and he's speaking on behalf of the children of Israel. And... This applies to us because when we learn more word, when we learn more things, when God reveals more to us, it is a responsibility and it's also an opportunity. We have opportunities to speak on behalf of others, to teach others, because we're bridging the gap for them. We're bridging the gap that God wants to use us. He doesn't need to use us, but he wants to use us. And so every time God is revealing something to us, we got to do something with it. We got to share it with people. We got to teach people. We got to be his mouthpiece because if we want to be used, we got to go out there and do it. We got to live in it or else he's going to use someone else because he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us specifically. Um, now we're going to jump into the Ten Commandments, um, the law now. We're going to get through all ten, hopefully by the end of tonight. Starting at verse six, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And so he's explaining to them that this is a new generation, that he's brought, um, he's brought his people out of bondage. Egypt for us represents the world. He's brought them out of the world into this new communication system, this new thing. It's called being a child of God. And it's better than anything you can think of. That's what he's showing them. And so they weren't there in that, you know, dark slave moment with the Pharaoh ruling over them, but he's explaining it to them. And now he goes into the Ten Commandments. In verse seven, it says, you shall not, or you shall have no other gods before me. And what this means is this does not imply that it was permissible to have other gods. And so you're not allowed to worship other things. But instead, the idea here is, is that there are no other gods before the sight of God. And so you're not, when you accept Jesus, you're not worshiping him with worshiping other things. You're literally giving him your life. He's the only thing you worship. The only thing. He's number one. And last week we learned that if we don't obey this, it's called uh, idolatry. In verses 8 through 10, it says, You shall not make a carved, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven, above or that is in the earth, beneath or that is in the water, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. 
And so this next commandment is talking about carved images. Back then they had things carved of the earth, of the sea. So they, you know, they had like little idols of like fish and even of people. And so these were the kind of things they worshiped. And a lot of us might go, well, this is old school. This is Old Testament. We don't carve images like nobody goes out to a bar and carves images. Nobody does this sin anymore. But we still do this because we have to take culture in mind. You know, things like pornography, they don't have back then. But what they did have, they had prostitutes at the heart. It's still the same issues, the same problem. Same thing with carved images. There are things that we do that we end up worshiping. And so they're carving these things to worship. We end up doing the same thing. Sometimes we get a nice job. God blesses us and we end up worshiping our job. That's the only thing we're consumed by. Sometimes we're consumed by school. I see it all the time. And we, we do things. We literally carve things. It might not be physically carving something. Yeah, people worship <laughs> pornography. Lots of people worship pornography. That is an epidemic. People worship their cars. Yeah, people worship their cars. And I put, if, if the Lord is saying don't carve images to worship, we shouldn't, you know, keep our laptop near us if we struggle with that because we're carving an image that we're going to end up worshiping. We shouldn't buy a nice car if we struggle with materialism because we're going to end up worshiping something. It's the same idea. It's just different culture. And so we don't want to be doing the same thing they're doing. We don't, have to, we want, we don't want to be carving a way to where we're going to end up worshiping something other than God. And we know ourselves good enough, just like these guys. Moses saying, you know, don't make these fish. Don't, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to end up worshiping something else. Now we're going to move on to... Verses 9 through 10. 8 through 10 already. Um, We're going to go to verse 11. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we break this commandment when we blaspheme God's name. We use use his name in profanity or in cursing. And that's really obvious, but I want to show another part that I found. And you can also break this commandment when you use God's name in hypocrisy. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, um, I think this is the outline prayer that Jesus gives us. It says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. His name is sanctified. It, is, it should be different in, than any other word we use. We shouldn't use it in hypocrisy. What does that mean? That means we shouldn't claim to be worshiping God, but... Um, our message in action contradicts that. Yeah, we should, our, our actions should um, align with the words we speak. So if we're preaching God, we got to live in it. Same thing is we don't want to use his name, you know, lightly. He, that word is used completely different. We don't want to take it ever out of context. We don't want to say things like, you know, oh, God told me to get drunk or God told me this because if it doesn't align with scripture, God didn't tell you that. And now you're breaking this commandment. You don't use God's, um, God's name in hypocrisy. That includes um, Jesus. You see, you know, people making fun of Jesus all the time. People posting things that, you know, Jesus was just a prophet. And that's the same thing that's breaking it because you're lowering the standard of what Jesus actually means. There is power in his name. There, his name does things that no other word does. And that's verse 11. We're going to go to verse 12 through 15. Uh, It talks about the Sabbath. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You shall 
are you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your ox nor your donkey nor any of your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates that that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So it's talking about the day of rest in Jewish tradition. It is very similar to Genesis 2, which is when God um, made the world in six days and he rested on the last. And it's not because he needed to, not because, you know, so much work that God needed a break. But um, it's because it's pointing to scripture and it keeps pointing forward. What does this mean? It means this is actually one of my favorite ones because the Sabbath points to a rest. And it points to the New Testament, which our eternal rest is Jesus. That's the good news. That's where it's pointing to. That's pretty much the whole purpose of the law. The law is for us is not here to make us perfect. The law is here to point us to Jesus, to show us that we're not perfect, to show us that these 10 things, we can't keep all these 10 things. I'm pretty sure I've broken every single one of these probably, but it's showing us that we can't keep this, that we need Jesus, that we're messed up. And that's just one of the hardest things in today's culture, in today's society, that people don't want to be told they're wrong. They don't want to be told that there's an eternal rest in Jesus. They think they're good. They think they're going to cruise their way into heaven or worse. They think they're going to work their way into heaven. And it's not like that. It's pointing to Jesus. It's showing that we need someone um, to save us on our behalf because we can't do it on our own. If you look at verse 16 now, it says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And I like this one. Um, I'm sure we all have parents. I was hoping for a lot more younger kids when I was, you know, when the Lord was putting this one on my heart. But um, it affects us on two levels I put. And I put on a big level, on a macro level, a big scale. Um, we, we would cease to exist if we didn't honor our parents. If every, every kid completely disobeyed every single thing their parents did, we would cease to exist because um, where is it? Um, it is an essential building block for the stability and health of a society. If the younger generations are constantly at war with older generations, the foundation of society is destroyed. And so I know as a young person, you know, sometimes um, I trained at, I, I gave a health and fitness consultation um, the other day. It's like a checkup with a workout at my gym. And I gave that to an 83-year-old lady who could barely hear in both ears and didn't speak English. She only speak Vietnamese. And I speak pretty good Vietnamese, but I don't know how to say like lifting weights in Vietnamese. I don't know how to say cardio in Vietnamese. I only know how to say like, you know, basic conversation things. And so it was extremely hard to communicate with her. And she couldn't hear anything I said. And she did like everything wrong. And like I had to deal with her daughters who had to pick her up who were really mean to me. But it's, it's easy for the younger generations to, you know, not like the older generation. But we have to remember, we got to, this verse isn't just saying honor your father and your parents, but it's saying get along with the older generation. He's saying, you know, your older generation messed up on a lot of these things. I don't want you guys to do the same thing. And on a micro level, you will actually live longer because the word says it. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long. And if God says it, I believe it. And so if I honor my, my parents, I'm going to live longer. That's what God says. My days will be longer. And so health, medicine, that's good for extending life. If you honor your parents, 
that'll extend life as well. You will live longer. And there are obvious benefits to obeying your parents. When I was doing this study, um, this is something I definitely struggle with. But just off the top of my head, when I did this study, I put um, the benefits of obeying your parents are guidance, experience, and provision. And I think we can all testify to that from all of our parents, whether we had you know, a good relationship with our parents or a bad one. We know what they went through, and we know, you know if they went through it a good way, we want to do it the same way. If they didn't go through it a good way, we, we, we want to avoid what they did. And I'm doing that as a kid. I'm sure a lot of you guys are going, there's so many more benefits if they just listen to me. But you guys can share that after if you want. <laughs> We're going to go to verse 17 now. And it's talking about murder. It says, you shall not murder. Uh, murder is the taking of life. is a little bit different from killing because I kill a lot of my food and I eat things like chicken and beef. <laughs> Um, but um, what Jesus said in Matthew is that we can do this from our heart. And so he's saying this commandment doesn't mean, you know, physically murdering. He's saying it can mean any sort of murdering. And so when you hate somebody, like Jesus says in Matthew, you are doing the same exact thing. You are murdering them in your heart. And as we all know, the God we serve doesn't look at the outer appearance. He looks at the heart. Everything we do, he looks at the heart. He looks at what we do in the heart and why we do it in the heart. And so when we hate somebody, when we wish them dead in our hearts, we've basically killed them. Just remember that. That is, you know, an act that we would never do. We would never point a gun at someone's head and pull the trigger. But when we wish someone dead in our heart, that's the exact same thing when we hate them to that point. What's up, Mo? We're on the verse 18 now. It says, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, Adultery is the voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. Same thing with this one. Jesus says, if you lust after a woman in your heart, You've done the exact same thing. You've committed adultery. And so, yeah, and he means it whether you're married or you're single. And so when you lust in your heart, you're cheating on your spouse and or your future spouse. And so we all got to keep that in mind. In verse 20, it says, you shall not steal. And I think this is a big one because a lot of us, first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, we we don't go to retail stores and grab clothes off the rack and run out you know, with those security cameras that can barely see us because it's so blurry. I don't really get that. You you guys notice that? Like the security cameras they show on the news and stuff is super blurry when our phones have like a way better, you know, visual. It just, it doesn't make any sense. But I think when Moses is explaining all 10 of these commandments, he's going in depth. He's going, it's not what you think. It's more than that. It's very easy to break this because why? Because we're not perfect. It's so easy to break this. Here are some examples. We steal when we obtain music illegally. And that's more, mostly my generation, not your generation. And I'm guilty of this many, 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 many times in the past. Don't tell the police. I hope no one's listening. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> if, the, if the cops see this on cclw.net, please have grace and mercy. I don't do it anymore, I promise. <laughs> I don't do this anymore. But that's mostly my generation again. A lot of you guys are looking at me like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. But you'd be surprised. Everyone does this. Everybody steals music. Like, everybody does it. And they'll, you know, come up with loopholes like, oh, I just copied the URL and converted the file. That's not stealing. I'm like, that's stealing. If you made the music, you would think that's stealing. That's the same thing. Um, and a big one is when things have a specific design that are given to us and we misuse that design. An example is at work when we're clocked in and we're not working, that hour, that time, that money that's given to us, we're supposed to be working. But if we're not working, we're stealing from the company. We're stealing from God, ultimately. 
we're supposed to be using that time wisely. Or uh, I know me personally, if I'm not working, I just clock out. That's company policy. And my boss is looking at me less because I'm getting more in the role of it. And it's a lot easier to, you know, get away with things. But I always tell myself, I'm not working, got to clock out. You know, go in the break room, you know, check my media or <laughs> eat or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's a big one. And I think a lot of people do it. A lot of people um, are clocked in and they're not working or whatever else. Um, and another one is when people give us money for a certain thing and we use it for something else, like if Johnny gave me, you know, a few bucks to buy certain things for this ministry and I bought, you know, you know, it was on sale, I got a little extra cash, buy myself something else, that's stealing because Johnny's money was designed for me to buy something else. When something's given to us with a design, we have to use it for that design or else we are stealing. And we apply this because when God gives us, I listed all these things, when God gives us our life, our hands, our feet, our talent, our money, our job, education, opportunities, money, possessions, our spouse, and our very breath, when we are not using those according to his will, we are stealing. He's given those things to us for a reason. We are stealing from God. God wants us to wake up and use these things because he's given this, giving it to us for a specific reason. All these things from our talents, you know, you know little things like hands and feet. You know, people are born without these things. It's like scary to think about, but we need to use these for whatever God has for us. And we're almost done here. Verse 20, it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And what this is saying is it's saying, do not lie, but it also means do not misrepresent God. Because when you're bearing false witness, you're lying. You're saying, you know, you're representing God in a false way. And so don't misrepresent God. And I think this I think this is important here because Moses is, you know, probably telling them, yo, I did this. I smacked that rock when I shouldn't have. I misrepresented God. In verse 21, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And Literally, the word covet here means to pant after. Um, one of the commentaries I really like said, um, explain the whole process of coveting. It says, covetousness works like this. The eyes look upon an object. The mind admires it. The will goes over to it and the body moves it, moves in to possess it. Just because you have not taken the final steps does not mean you are not coveting. And God makes this clear because if you look, in the Ten Commandments, it is the only one, um, it is one of the only ones that talks about the desire. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not desire your neighbor's house. And so it's already talking about the heart. Like, um, if you look at murder and committing adultery, Jesus clarifies this in Matthew. He goes, if you do it in the heart, you're also doing it here. But here it already goes straight to it. It says the desires. And so if you're desiring something that's not yours, it's not, that God didn't promise you, it's the same thing. This is from the heart. You don't need to, you know, take what's not yours to covet. If you're, you're desiring it in your heart, if you're de desiring um, someone else's wife, someone else's house, someone else's car, someone else's position, you're coveting. And the purpose of all these Ten Commandments in context, Moses is reiterating to the children of Israel, this new generation, he's teaching them, and yet he's showing them in detail, you know, these are the, these are the Ten Commandments. And for us, it ultimately points to Jesus. It points to the Messiah because we can't keep these Ten Commandments. We are bad at this. We're imperfect. We, can pro we probably can't even keep one, honestly. We can't do this. And it's an awesome picture because it shows God's faithfulness, God's love 
as a promise all at once while um, Moses, who's been through the ropes, he's raising up this new generation. He's showing us. And it's kind of cool because it's kind of happening in our church. We're raising up new leaders. Johnny has this um, um, vision, this promise that God has promised this church that he's going to raise up leaders. And it's all coming to fruition. And for us as a body, um, it points to Jesus. It points to the Messiah who will who paid um, the price perfectly and who obeyed this perfectly. He fulfilled the law and he did it for us. And we're not going to finish up this chapter. We're going to end there. Um, we're going to continue next week as Moses wraps this chapter up. And so do you guys have any questions, comments, yeah, or concerns? The eyes look at it. Um, the mind admires. The will walks to it. What was the last step? I'm coveting. Uh, and the body... And the body moves in to possess it. I think something we need to take into consideration, the standard of the law was the standard of perfection. And we all fall short of that perfection. That's why Jesus had to live the perfect life. Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. Jesus said, I did not come to law but to fulfill. Uh, In Romans it says the law is not a bad thing. The law is a good thing. Um, And so the law points us. Remember you have the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the dietary laws. The only law that we obey now in the New Testament is the moral law. The moral law is intact forever. We shouldn't kill. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't cut. We shouldn't do these Ten Commandments. Um, Another thing is the Sabbath, and and I think he mentioned it, but Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, and he's our rest. The only New Testament, um, the only law that's not reiterated in the New Testament as far as keeping to. We are still to love God. We are not to take the Lord's name. In vain, we're not to make graven images, uh, which is idolatry. We're definitely not to lie, steal, murder, and all of those things, covet. Um, but the Sabbath was fulfilled in Jesus. He's our rest. And so, uh, just a neat, neat, I mean, you can you can really break these down and, and learn so much from the commandments. But, so, so we shouldn't use it as a cop-out because Jesus fulfilled it. These are things that God, that are good for us and that please God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so our love for God is lip service unless we're walking in obedience to what he's calling us to. As Calvin said, we fall short of this, every ten of them, you know. But that doesn't mean that we're off the hook. Well, since I'm just a big fat liar, I'm just going to keep being a big fat liar. No, Lord, help me with my lying. I don't want to deceive. I don't want to use hyperbole. I don't want to exaggerate. I don't... But I don't want to do that. Help me, Lord. And sometimes we just need to learn to shut up. Close some prayer. For sure. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for everything you do for us. Thank you for fulfilling the law. Uh, I just pray that you bless the rest of the night and that you continue to speak to us throughout the week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.